The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Hugh Broma, uh, who is the chairman of Entrust Company. He also has done a new book called How to Make Money in Alternative Investments. Welcome to the show, Hugh. Thank you very much. Nice to be with you. Let's just start with a little bit of your background and how you got to forming Entrust and your interest in alternative investments. Well, uh, the, my interest of, in alternative investments and uh, retirement plans and all those things pretty much happened about the same time. Um, I started out doing investments uh, back in uh, 77, and I started with real estate. And around the same time, I discovered self-directed individual retirement accounts. And so uh, with a culmination of a number of events uh, in my banking career, uh, effectively I ended up buying a firm that does uh, self-directed plan administration in alternative investments. So it all happened around the same time. And uh, let's just talk about the whole area of alternative investments. Why is it necessary for people uh, to look at alternative investments? There's already tons of individual stocks available and CDs and money market funds. Why why is the traditional investment not enough uh, for people in today's environment? Well, the way that, that we look at it is that individuals want to diversify as much as they possibly can. So there are a, a... people who are interested in doing like direct investments in real estate, which aren't necessarily things that you can buy on the stock market, of course. And real estate is one of the largest, uh, even in today's market, one of the largest uh, areas where people invest money. In fact, it's uh, increasing again uh, as uh, the value of real estate has declined. So uh, real estate notes, those things that are not usually publicly traded, uh, are a method of diversification and uh, where individuals can go into them. And, of course, private placements, which are non-registered securities, not available on the stock market, are things that might be of interest to people in their local area. Are there, by the nature of it, different kinds of returns for alternative investments than traditional ones because uh, they're not as liquid or publicly traded? Does that give them, you know, you always say you take higher risk, you're going to get a higher return, and, and also having to do liquidity. Does that translate into higher returns for alternative investments? It may, and uh, that's one of the big areas that we talk about in our book, uh, where alternative investments uh, have a higher risk relationship than, say, perhaps uh, bonds, government bonds, and uh, other kinds of investments like that. But the rewards may be also there for the individual. So just to say that uh, categorically that returns are going to be better with alternative investments or higher uh, if you look at a dollar cost averaging, uh, it not be that way at all. But it is an alternative, and if someone really does their due diligence on investment, the returns can be very, very good for them. In your book, you talk in the first chapter, which you call Investor Survivor Skills for Challenging Times, 
about taking control of your investing and don't delegate to anyone else. Most people in the investment world do delegate it to someone else. They put their money in a mutual fund or let somebody else do it. Why is it important for people to do it themselves? Well, when you look at how we approach the subject of knowing the investment that you're going to make yourself is really what we're talking about. And quite honestly, we propose that even with publicly traded investments, people do much more due diligence than they do now and can take control of their particular investment strategies as well as the investments that they're going to be making by doing the due diligence. And really that's the focus of much of our book is know what you're investing in, know it in detail. You're saying that uh, alternative investors don't typically rely on third-party opinions like brokers or financial planners to make their decisions. But isn't it hard for the average individual to gain enough knowledge to be able to uh, determine whether an alternative investment is a good one or not? I think that is true of pretty much of the time, that people don't want to take the time to do that and they don't want to take the effort. And that is really what really gets people into trouble. And the individual who is really, really serious as an investor, whether it's alternative or otherwise, needs to spend the time and... Uh, get the kind of resources that if they don't have the time that they can trust uh, with a capital T and allow other people to help them in their due diligence process. So how do they do that? How do they find people to trust in these different areas? We're going to go through all the different areas, but how do they find reliable, trustworthy people to steer them the right direction here? Yeah, when, when you deal with the different areas, what you have is the capability of finding individuals who may be trustworthy or are trustworthy in those particular arenas. And uh, a lot of it is uh, word of mouth to some extent. And another one is to really do background checks on the individuals so that they know everything about the individuals or companies that they're working with. Um, and that's... Uh, The due diligence process starts with the due diligence that an individual does on the individual or company that they're going to be relying on going forward. Oftentimes, people already have those individuals, but they may not know it. Uh, CPAs or CPA firm, the people who do their taxes, uh, often even their stockbrokers may have uh, resources that are available to them. And uh, people in their own community, uh, as you said, we go through the individual areas, Uh, you'll see that there are places where individuals can go, spend some time, spend the requisite time to be able to do that research and find the individual that are going to help them. So it is going to take effort. But you're saying it's worth it? It's worth it. I mean, a lot of people say, just put your money in index funds and go to sleep for the next 20 years and you'll do fine. Yeah, that's what they do. Um, Oddly enough, the the data uh, that uh, is available publicly shows that those individuals who have uh, invested in uh, funds and 401k plans, 80% of all individuals who have done that never look at their funds again until they're ready to start taking money out. 80%, that's a phenomenal number. So what's wrong with that? Well, it, it, it may be wrong because of change conditions, uh, change conditions in the economy. If you're looking out 30, 40 years, uh, there will be change conditions in the way that the economy works, the way that particular mutual funds or stocks will perform. 
uh, and whether or not one wants to go global or whether one wants to stay domestic, whether they want to do large cap, small cap, it really depends, and it also hugely depends on when they want to start taking their money out. When are they going to be taking distributions out of their plans? And uh, these are really, really important factors that people should be looking at what it is that they're investing in on a relatively constant basis, uh, funds in particular, at least annually. Before we get into all the different alternative investments you have in your book, uh, tell us a little bit about interest uh, and how that makes it easier for people to invest in these alternative investments through what you offer. Uh, all of our companies, we um, have the companies, they're located in 36 uh, offices throughout the United States, and we offer the alternative investments in individual retirement accounts uh, primarily. And what we do is facilitate the transaction so when an individual makes the decision about what their investments are going to be, that we can make that transaction happen using their individual retirement accounts. And it will be vested in their individual retirement accounts. And we've been doing that just about 30 years uh, coming up next year. So why do you need to use interest, interest as opposed to your bank or your brokerage firm or your traditional place uh, if you want to do some of these alternative investments? Why do you need a, a separate kind of custodian? Uh, the, most people do not uh, actually get involved in, um, in other words, banks and financial institutions get involved in uh, alternative investments. For banks and securities companies, generally it's a lot easier for them to do, deal with uh, publicly traded assets and publicly traded securities. So that's uh, what they are involved in. It's a lot easier. It's automated. Uh, alternative investments take time. They take effort. They're manual in most cases. Um, they take uh, a lot of work. And uh, volume houses, wire houses just simply don't want to do that. So you can have so, the accounts can be linked. You can have an account at interest and your bank or brokerage firm and have things linked back and forth. Is that right? Absolutely. Yep. All day long. Okay. Uh, let's start with the first one. Again, I'm speaking with Hugh Broma, uh, whose uh, company is called Entrust. His uh, new book, uh, published by McGraw-Hill, is called How to Make Money in Alternative Investments. And the first one you talk about in some length is private lending. Why don't we just start with what private lending is and, and why is that something people would want to do? All right. Uh, private lending is where an individual, uh, through their individual retirement account or personally, wants to lend money with a specific uh, set of terms and rate of return, uh, and uh, they will lend that to an individual, sometimes to companies, and it's private lending in that it's not a bank loan. Uh, individual basically says, I want to use my IRA and lend it to someone to uh, do some additional growth in their business, or uh, even uh, an individual that has uh, has an interest in doing uh, loans uh, for uh, any kind of uh, opportunity that they feel. Unsecured notes, for instance, are places where people end up uh, making loans to as well. So, uh, again, the average individual is, is not as trained as a banker to do underwriting of a loan. How are they supposed to judge the character and whether they're going to get paid back or not? Aha. Very, very important. And this is where due diligence really happens. Uh, this is where an individual starts looking at what it is the character of the uh, borrower, uh, what what kind of an individual that they're lending to. For example, uh, an individual say, may say, gee, I need to have $100,000 uh, to fix up a commercial building 
Well, the first thing that an individual would do who would want to lend to that with their individual retirement account is to determine what kind of collateral that they're going to have, whether or not the collateral is available, so that in the event that the uh, lend the borrower uh, is, has no funds to pay them with, that they can collateralize that loan sufficiently uh, to um, be able to get paid back. So security is a, a really, really important part of how individuals will work with, uh, with a borrower. So this has always been a significant part of how uh, an individual will start the loan process. It's like when one borrows themselves from a bank or from another lender. Uh, going through the process, it really, really depends on how, uh, how interested the individual is, is borrowing the money uh, in, uh, in making those kinds of capabilities available out of his individual retirement account to a third party. And uh, that's how an individual starts. So one has to really spend a significant amount of time uh, determining how the loan is going to be underwritten and often can actually get that kind of Okay, very good. Lending business. We're going to get to this more in a little bit. We're going to go to a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of the Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Hugh uh, Broma, uh, whose new book is called How to Make Money in Alternative Investments. He's also the CEO of Entrust, uh, which is a company based in San Francisco that helps people do exactly what we're talking about invest in alternative investments. We'll be back after this. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. Jordan Goodman has created the Money Answers Network to put at his listeners' fingertips the very best personal finance products and services that he has found in his 30 years of research. If you have a money question, Jordan Goodman has a money answer. To find out more, go to www.moneyanswers.com. The Money Answers Network features top products and services in virtually every area of personal finance, car buying and leasing, college financing, credit debt, financial planning, investing, insurance, legal services, mortgages, retirement planning, wills, and more. Only businesses that have demonstrated excellence in both their products and services are invited to become members of the Money Answers Network. The public can sign up for membership in the Money Answers Network at no charge in order to be apprised of the latest useful resources. To learn more, visit www.moneyanswers.com. Get ahead with Money Answers. Are you ready to go green? You've asked and we've heard you. Voice America presents the Green Talk Network. Environmental topics are at the forefront of our society, and the Green Talk Network is here to keep you up to date on the latest trends and new innovations for the eco-conscious lifestyle. We'll help promote a variety of ideas on the environment, from global warming issues to how you can become more eco-friendly in your daily activities. Be a part of the solution, not the problem. Visit the Green Talk Network page on voiceamerica.com and tune in to help spread the green. Hi, this is Dr. Vijaya Nair. 
together with my dear friend Dr. Howard Piper, we are hosting our own show called Kiss Your Life Hello. We are two internationally recognized experts, researchers, authors, and health advocates in holistic medicine and counseling. We promise you a fantastic show with interesting guest experts to educate and entertain you with the latest information on mind, body, and spirit wellness. Join us on Wednesdays at 7 a.m. Pacific and 10 a.m. Eastern on Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. See you there. Income Property Investment Talk with Peter Mosca and Dean Issa provides homeowners and investors eager to invest well in real estate the knowledge, resources, and tools necessary to generate significant wealth. Our focus will be the paradigm. Live where you want. Invest where it makes the most sense. Listen live to the brightest minds in real estate investment every Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. That's Income Property Investment Talk with Peter Mosca and Dean Issa, where America learns to invest. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Hugh Broma. Uh, who's uh, the CEO of the Entrust Group. Uh, his new book is called How to Make Money in Alternative Investments. Welcome back to the show, Hugh. Thank you. Uh, tell people about the website where they can find out more about what Entrust offers and uh, something on the book as well. Yes, uh, our website is uh, theentrustgroup.com. That's www.theentrustgroup.com. And... Uh, we have about uh, well, we have a huge resource center where people can really go uh, back into the historical aspects of how self-directed IRAs work, all the rules that are involved in acquiring assets. Uh, very, very important that one does all of this in a legal manner, and the IRS has, of course, a, a number of significant uh, rules and uh, paths that one needs to follow to make sure that one keeps the uh, tax-deferred capability of their IRA or their 401k plan uh, intact. What if you do it wrong? What, what are the consequences of that? Well, the biggest consequence is that an individual's uh, individual retirement account may be disqualified, and if it's disqualified, what happens is that it no longer has tax-deferral status. So all, say you're in an alternative investment that's been illiquid and you haven't made anything on it yet, you would have to pay tax when you eventually cashed in? Is that the way it would work? It would be taxed uh, at its fair market value at that time when it was found to be, let's say, a prohibited transaction or a disqualified investment. So what are some of the, without getting too technical, some of the requirements uh, that you follow to make sure that these uh, IRAs are uh, done in a legal way? The biggest thing is self-dealing. One should not be doing self-dealing. Dealing with themselves or members of their family uh, let's just say categorically, is not permitted. And the other one is receiving a current benefit. In other words, a retirement account is for retirement purposes. So receiving a current benefit, which means getting paid now with tax-deferred money, is not permitted. Uh, also, there's a list of collectibles that are not permitted. It haven't been for since 1981. Uh, and those are listed on our website, uh, pretty straightforward uh, kinds of things like uh, liquor, artwork, stamps, uh, those kinds of things are not permitted. 
And we were talking before about private lending. Does that mean you should not do a private loan even if it's correctly documented with somebody in your family? That's correct. In other words, let's say if you were looking at uh, privately lending uh, any kind of money, you would not be doing that with your spouse or your children or your parents, for example. But beyond that, cousins or something is okay? That would be fine. Just direct people in your family then? Correct. So when you're making a private loan, how do you figure out what the correct interest rate is that's appropriate for the risk you're taking? There are two ways of looking at uh, the interest rate. One of them is, is that if you're in a usury state, usurious... Uh, you mean where there, where there are and you can't charge more than the uh, usury ceiling in that state uh, when you're making a private loan uh, to somebody else. Um, so you have to kind of check in your particular state as to what the usury ceiling uh, would be. When you're making uh, lending money using uh, real estate, uh, you want to have that as collateral, and you would have the right uh, to take that uh, real estate back uh, if, in fact, uh, the uh, person borrowing the money does not uh, pay you back on time. The That's other correct. kind of, yep. uh, you're back with private loans, uh, or yep. there, there are uh, seller financed uh, mortgages as well. Is that correct? That's done quite frequently? That's done very, very frequently. Um, in fact, the largest part of the portfolio that we have. Uh, in uh, the assets that we administer, we have about $9 billion. Uh, about a third of that is in uh, notes of various kinds, and uh, seller care acts uh, are among those. Are these things that are mostly originated by the lender, or they're, or they're in the secondary market? The loans have already been originated and have a, a track record, and you're buying them in the secondary market? It's generally not purchasing from the secondary market. Generally, it is individuals that originate them for the first time. So there are brand new loans uh, that people will uh, originate themselves. In other words, the lender and buyer get uh, the lender and the uh, borrower get together. Oftentimes, uh, people will uh, do this with people that they've known, uh, individuals or companies that they've known for decades, and it's a great source of uh, funds without having to go through a number of the regulatory issues that one has to go through uh, in normal uh, lending markets. So if you're getting an interest, say you're, you're giving a mortgage to somebody, you're getting in monthly payments, you can't reinvest it back in that mortgage. You, you just take that income and invest in other things. Is that the way it would normally work? Uh, oftentimes what people will do is uh, invest in, uh, accumulate uh, sufficient funds from the income that they've received from a debt instrument and then uh, invest in another loan or perhaps in something else in the interim until they have sufficient income for doing that, from doing that. Uh, and it's just a matter of how much is involved and what the return is, is actually paid. So uh, the larger investor tends to uh, reinvest into other instruments. Uh, the smaller investors tend to wait and accumulate it into something else. Uh, some people will actually just go into the stock market for a period of time or put it into a mutual fund or money market. It really depends on the individual. What kind of interest rates would be available today to somebody wanting to make private mortgage loans? It's going to be higher than the banks are offering because it's a riskier kind of situation. Yeah. Is that right? So what, roughly what kind of mortgage rates would be uh, somebody could, could receive today? Uh, what I've seen uh, over the last six months, and and that seems to be a fairly good barometer. We can uh, see interest rates now in loans secured by first deeds of trust anywhere from 6 to 12% past uh, 
depending on where the loan is made. And based on the credit of the borrower, I assume? Yes. Now, now, I mean, someone would say that this is a terrible time to invest in real estate. You've had, uh, you know, huge declines in property values, huge numbers of houses underwater, people walking away from their homes. Uh, looks like further price declines. I could go through a whole long, you know, foreclosures all over the place. Why would you possibly want to uh, do a, a real estate mortgage at this uh, state of the cycle? Well, what's happened is because real estate is low at this time, we have a number of in- in- Investors, because they're really picking up bargains at this time, so they're making they are investing in real estate, and also they're granting loans to individuals because uh, individuals are able to uh, afford lower payments. So we have not only a market where individuals are actually purchasing real estate, and it's really gotten quite quite considerable, uh, and also people who now are in a position where they can actually pay them back with payments that, from their perspectives, tend to be reasonable and the returns can be very good at the same time. How can you find some of these, if you don't know people individually, are there various clubs or how, how can you find potential mortgages the, you know, that you want to be issuing? There are, uh, as you mentioned, the, the investor clubs are a fabulous place where people can go. Uh, you can spend time there checking individuals out, checking out what it is that they have to sell, if you will, what kind of loans that they want what kind of real estate that they have to sell. Clubs are very, very good. Uh, also, there are a number of uh, reputable uh, people who are in the note market um, that are really quite good. They have had a track record for a very long period of time. Um, and uh, really by uh, Googling those kinds of individuals, I mean, I, I'll give you one, for instance, Bruce Norris, who I've worked with for about 30 years uh, in California, uh, has been doing notes and mortgages for, for decades. And he actually, he and I actually uh, co-present because he tells people about how loans work. And if uh, one is comfortable working with someone who can explain it in rational ways about how notes are created and uh, how they are uh, placed into the marketplace, uh, that's the kind of an individual with somebody to want to gravitate towards. The other thing you talk about in this chapter is so-called peer-to-peer lending, where you can do it online. Right. Uh, tell us a little bit of how that works and how that would work inside a self-directed IRA. Uh, peer-to-peer lending is one of the uh, arenas where uh, there's a lot of activity that uh, people get involved in. And from a self-directed IRA point of view, uh, it's just a matter of directing us to make those particular loans to those individuals. It's very, very straightforward. Um, and the process is something that uh, takes about a week uh, to actually execute those kinds of transactions. And this is more than just mortgages. This is other unsecured loans as well, right? That's correct. Uh, Business loans, loans for equipment, capital equipment. uh, Fairly, uh, we have had bowling alleys, aircraft, cattle. uh, All those things are uh, potential. Very good. Okay, we're going to come back with some other alternative investments. My guest this hour is Hugh Broma, uh, whose new book is called How to Make Money in Alternative Investments. It's published by McGraw-Hill. His company is called The N-Trust Group, based in San Francisco, that helps people invest their money in self-directed IRAs in alternative investments. We'll be back after this.
whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Ready to grow your business? Listen for the Independent Business Owner Show with your coach, Rick Carrado. This entertaining talk radio program will bring you the tools to help increase your business. You'll learn sales success, time management, lead generation, business development, life balance, and much more. Rick Carrado is here to help you take your business to the next level. Listen for the Independent Business Owner Show, heard live every Monday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Network. Join Patricia Raskin, the host of Positive Living on VoiceAmerica.com, Monday at 11 Pacific. This program brings you practical and inspiring principles for living a more authentic, engaging, and passionate life. Patricia's guests will give you a formula for connecting, giving, forgiving, and miraculous living. So tune in and call to Positive Living, Mondays at 11 Pacific Time, right here on VoiceAmerica.com. Journey into the realm of spirit, the source of all things. Master fear in these tumultuous times and learn ancient ways to abundant love and healing. Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity, will awaken the unique genius within you. Host Christina Pratt challenges you to initiate your innate powers within to gain health, well-being, and joy through the practices of Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. Tune in each week to Why Shamanism Now, Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern, on 7th Wave Network. Jordan Goodman has created the Money Answers Network to put at his listeners' fingertips the very best personal finance products and services that he has found in his 30 years of research. If you have a money question, Jordan Goodman has a money answer. To find out more, go to www.moneyanswers.com. The Money Answers Network features top products and services in virtually every area of personal finance, car buying, and leasing, college financing, credit debt, financial planning, investing, insurance, legal services, mortgages, retirement planning, wills, and more. Only businesses that have demonstrated excellence in both their products and services are invited to become members of the Money Answers Network. The public can sign up for membership in the Money Answers Network at no charge in order to be apprised of the latest useful resources. To learn more, visit www.moneyanswers.com. Get ahead with Money Answers. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Hugh Broma, uh, whose new book is called How to Make Money in Alternative Investments, uh, published by McGraw-Hill. His company is called The N-Trust Group, E-N-T-R-U-S-T, uh, based in San Francisco. Uh, his website is theentrustgroup.com. Welcome back to the show, Hugh. Thank you. Let's talk about precious metals as an alternative investment. Uh, we've had gold and silver and so on do very well. Are you talking about buying physical uh, gold and silver coins and bars and putting them in IRAs, and how would that work? That's correct. And the way that it works is that an individual uh, decides that they want to buy the precious metal, which is the first step. Very, very easy. And the next step after that is making sure that it gets stored in the right place. 
And the way that that functionality works is that an individual decides on the storage uh, where they want to store it, uh, and that's a very important part. You cannot keep it in your own vault. So, uh, and we don't store them in, in our vault either. You so, can't keep it for, for tax reasons, you mean? You can't keep it in your own yeah, vault? That's right. So we, uh, we um, our custodial bank will not custodian physical uh, gold simply for one reason, and that is that there's too much of it. So they don't have the facilities. So there are professional uh, storage capabilities all over the United States. There are many, many, many providers, and uh, internationally as well. Uh, internationally is a very different cup of tea, if you will, but uh, it's a matter of buying it at a particular price that uh, the individual wants to buy it at, whether it's a spot price or whether it's a price uh, or number of ounces at some point in the future. And uh, we settle that uh, with uh, their individual retirement account funds. And uh, then it's stored, and when the individual wants to sell it, uh, they tell us uh, what, when to sell it. So you, the individual will never actually see the gold or silver directly then? That's correct. And if they want to, we can make arrangements to have that happen. So, so what, would be, what would be the case for buying gold today uh, after it's already moved up so dramatically? Uh, some people would say it's a bubble. Um, you know, that's a really, really good question. And one of the things that, that we do is that we don't, uh, we don't actually give investment advice. Uh, so... Uh, to say uh, a, number of, a number of pundits say that it'll go up to $2,500 and then settle uh, back at uh, maybe 1500 at its high. It's a matter of not the value of the, the metal, but it's a matter of the value of the dollar. So the case that I have read that pundits have made is that it's strictly a function of the value of the currency in which you're making the investment in. And in IRAs and 401Ks, you do that in, in dollars. So you also say there are some coin scams out there. What are some things people should look for to avoid coin scams? Well, uh, first of all, does it really exist? Uh, that's been a real, real problem because a number of people say that they're in the business, but uh, they're really not. They're running boiler room operations. So the way to do diligence on them is to find out whether or not they actually have a real facility and to find out where they're buying their metal from, where are they actually buying it from, where are they storing it, and also references are going to be very, very important. The other thing that we found is that there are a number of people who have private placements, and some private placements uh, have uh, who say that they're investing in uh, precious metals actually really don't invest in anything at all. Um, and uh, Bernie Madoff, of course, uh, was one of those individuals who invested in a lot of different things but never really invested in anything at all. So one has to really do due diligence on saying, what am I really buying? Am I really buying the metal, or am I buying a private placement? In both cases, does it exist? Uh, and then you also talk about uh, investing in collectible coins, numismatics, uh, right. whether they be Greek or Roman, uh, or something uh, minted for a specific occasion like the Olympics. Are, are those tend to be better investments or worse than bullion coins? Well. Uh, first of all, they're not, uh, they're not available to be invested in uh, individual retirement accounts. So anything that's like that as a collectible is not permitted. Uh, but when you get down to the Greeks and Romans and those things, again, it's a matter of uh, just like we spoke about real estate before and notes, is find out who you're doing business with and really start charting. Or, and there's plenty of information on the Internet 
where individuals start looking at what those kinds of collectibles do uh, and where to acquire them from. And uh, with a little bit of uh, work, one can find out where one, uh, where those kind of coins do go, where those collectibles go, and uh, just like art or anything else, uh, and uh, chart their own course and, and, again, do that hard work of knowing what the subject matter is that they're going to be investing in. And then you also talk about platinum, palladium, and titanium, um, in addition to gold and silver. Can you buy those in coins as well as bars or only in bars? You can buy platinum coins, uh, and uh, the others you purchase in uh, generally in, in ingots, and those are available also in the, in the marketplace. And the storage uh, capabilities are the same that you would have for any gold or silver. So how do those trade? It's a more thin market than gold, I would assume, and there's going to be a right. wider spread on something like that? Yeah, it's, it's thinly traded, um, and that's something that an individual will have to look at. Uh, when, when you start looking at things that are almost publicly traded, if you will, when you're looking at gold prices and silver, that's a very different thing than uh, titanium or iridium and those kinds of things that are really, really rare. And uh, the volatility of those particular metals is going to be a lot more than you're going to see in other areas. Even silver is much more volatile than gold, for example. Yeah, but you think as a hedge against uh, the decline of the value of the currency, it's a good idea to have something in those these, this area. That would be a very, very good diversification technique if someone likes that kind of diversification methodology. Now you also talk about natural resources uh, in addition to the uh, precious metals we just talked about. What are some of the natural resources that keep, people can buy into these days? Uh, water, uh, which uh, is a, an important one. Uh, of course, oil and uh, the usual suspects and gas. But water is a uh, an interesting commodity, particularly in the United States. Uh, buying water rights has become more and more popular over a period of time as the scarcity of uh, water uh, becomes more pronounced. Uh, that that type of uh, investment is something that people really uh, might want to look at. How uh, can you value water rights and know if they've gone up or down in value, and how can you buy them if you wanted to? Uh, the way to purchase them is that it depends on the state and municipality that you're in and how water rights are actually uh, obtained. Generally, what happens is that water rights uh, are sold separately from uh, real property that it is part of. It's like mineral rights, and they can be purchased that way. Uh, one can also uh, purchase water delivery contracts very much uh, the same way that uh, delivery contracts of uh, other commodities are uh, placed. The value of the water is determined by the particular area where the demand is. So it's a function of what can I sell that water that's under the ground, under the farm that I just bought, uh, for which I have the water rights, and uh, determine what that is going to be on a long-term basis, what the water contracts that go along for delivery will be. So it's uh, something that's been around for a very, very long period of time. In, in the U.S., it's had a long history. Water rights have had a huge history. Do you get uh, all your uh, current income for that uh, as people use the water? Are they paying rent, in effect, for the water? Uh, they, uh, in a form, yes. It's usually the municipality or some other organization that will purchase the water from your well or from your rights, and then you get paid on a regular basis. It's a cash flow capability. 
Fascinating. Are there other ways to buy water in addition to water rights? Uh, that's generally the, the, the most common uh, methodology that I've seen. There are some others that are really strange and, and uh, probably not worthwhile talking about yet until we run out of more water. And then you talk about solar power. In addition to buying the stocks of solar manufacturers, are you talking about investing in actual solar panels? Solar panels, yes, and uh, it's really very interesting because one of the things that you see when you look at the combination of what's available, uh, the People's Republic of China is now the number one producer of solar panels, so you can uh, potentially put together an international investment uh, that has uh, uh, small startups in China making solar panels. So you're talking about the business. You're not actually investing in solar panels directly. Not directly in the solar panels themselves. No. Okay. Yeah. And, and uh, you were also talking about other natural resources like uh, coal. Uh, how can one do those kind of things? Uh, there are many, many private placements that, in addition to the large coal companies that are available, and it's a function of uh, determining what the value of coal is going to be over a long period of time, and it's just like any other natural resource that an individual can purchase. So it's uh, a commodity people can buy that. And how about oil and gas? Uh, would you recommend investing in a partnership, or what's the best way to put oil and gas in your portfolio? The best way to diversify is to really buy into a partnership, a private placement, or an LLC. That, uh, and, and you need to know something about oil and gas before you start buying it, because a lot of people will deal with exploration, for example. And exploration is kind of a tough way to make money, especially if you don't have a lot of money and you're not diversified because you're putting all of your money into, let's say, one well uh, that may turn out dry. You don't want to do that. Um, unless you have a, a large amount of money, you might look at exploration as, as, as a potential. But the actual uh, development and redevelopment of oil resources, are, uh, for example, uh, depending on the price of oil over time, is going to be something that's done well. It does well and has done well really over the past history. If you remember when we had oil at $144, well, people started opening up wells and developing uh, oil that was, uh, that, that was uh, prior to that time not uh, really a, a great resource to, to invest in. When it doubled in price, people said, oh, gee, I can make a lot of money on that. And uh, LLCs, LPs, private placements that have a track record and a history in, in uh, developing fields uh, or that have, uh, have a known history of being able to do this uh, are the kinds of investments that can make a huge amount of sense and, and really get some great returns. And then the last natural resource you talk about is biofuels. Uh, yeah. What are some areas and how can I invest in those? Uh, methane uh, is one that's uh, a, a, a very important uh, and interesting place to go because what's happened is that people and municipalities have done things like uh, recently, uh, like open up methane in, over garbage dumps. And uh, it's a place where people are looking for private money. Amazing. <laughs> you can invest in almost anything these days. That's right. right. We're going to take a break. My guest this hour again is uh, Hugh Broma, uh, who is the CEO of Entrust Company that helps people invest in alternative inv investments. His new book is called How to Make Money in Alternative Investments, and we'll be back after this.
whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Jordan Goodman has created the Money Answers Network to put at his listeners' fingertips the very best personal finance products and services that he has found in his 30 years of research. If you have a money question, Jordan Goodman has a money answer. To find out more, go to www.moneyanswers.com. The Money Answers Network features top products and services in virtually every area of personal finance, car buying and leasing, college financing, credit debt, financial planning, investing, insurance, legal services, mortgages, retirement planning, wills, and more. Only businesses that have demonstrated excellence in both their products and services are invited to become members of the Money Answers Network. The public can sign up for membership in the Money Answers Network at no charge in order to be apprised of the latest useful resources. To learn more, visit www.moneyanswers.com. Get ahead with Money Answers. If you're thinking of starting a business or are already in business, tune in as the Kitchen Table Entrepreneur addresses business ownership concerns. Business novice or not, let the Kitchen Table Entrepreneur help you each week as we present and discuss the meat and potato issues of starting and running a business. Join the discussion. There's always room for your thoughts and opinions. The Kitchen Table Entrepreneur is a valuable program you should be tuning into every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Network. Are you ready to talk football with the greatest wide receiver player and coach in NFL history? Tune in to Wide Open with Andre Rison. Andre is ready to talk to you and give his thoughts on the sport. There will be celebrity guests, coaches, players, artists, and more. He'll go beyond the game with a look from the coach's point of view and feature a high school player each week. Tune in to Wide Open with host Andre Rison. Featured Thursdays at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Hugh Broma, uh, who is the author of a new book called How to Make Money in Alternative Investments. He's also the CEO of Entrust Group based in San Francisco. Welcome back to the show, Hugh. Thank you. Some other alternative investments uh, we should talk about would be uh, business-to-business cash flows. Tell us how that works. Business-to-business cash flows are uh, generally those where there are loans or factoring involved, and uh, lending and factoring are pretty heavily intertwined with a lot of businesses. There are accounts receivable financing uh, vehicles and uh, also some uh, temporary capital uh, bridge loans and those kinds of things. Uh, fairly, uh, fairly standard, great rate of return. Uh, there, uh, the, the the debt instruments are uh, secured, if you will, by the receivables or the actual uh, money for which the loan is made. So it's a fairly, fairly normal uh, approach to business. People have been doing it for hundreds of years, and it's also something that people do today. What kind of returns can people expect? the traditional uh, accounts receivable kind of uh, factoring deal? Well, 
what we're seeing now still is around the 10 to 15 percent return. Uh, now, one of the areas you talk about particularly is automobile paper and, and auto loans. Is that something the average person can actually get involved in? The average person can indeed get involved in that. Uh, we have a number of uh, individuals around the country who do the car paper, as we call it. And what it is is that they finance the uh, purchase of cars. Usually you'll see them at used car lots uh, of all places where individuals normally don't have particularly good credit and they need to buy a car. They'll go to a used car lot and you'll see those signs on the side of car lots that say, we carry our own paper. Uh, those are the ones that are private loans. They're often made through individual retirement accounts or from private individuals. Returns on those can be in the 20s. Because the risk is much greater in something like that. The but there is collateral. Is, there is the car. There's collateral, I guess. Yeah, the, the, it's more of a threat that somebody might be without their car than it is actually, actually the value of the car. Yeah. Now, you say that people in the lending to businesses should know the business they're lending to. Is that realistic for people to be able to know enough to know if a business is, is going to be able to pay back its loans or not? Yes. And, uh, again, it's one of those things, like everything else uh, that we talk about in the book, is that individuals need to do their due diligence and find out whether or not the business is a real business. And um, it doesn't take a, an enormous amount of time, but it will take time to know it. Uh, we recommend it because oftentimes what we've seen is people lend to uh, business startups or business already in business, uh, where the individual that is running the business doesn't know what they're doing. And uh, if you look at the number of business collapses that you have as small businesses in the United States, it's phenomenally high. So to begin with, the person you're lending to may have a high failure rate, especially if it's a small business. So knowing who you're lending to, whether or not it makes sense to you, is really, really important. Uh, probably my best analog is uh, where uh, people do construction. Uh, constructing apartment buildings or, or uh, housing tracts and things like that. You need to know something about housing and how uh, construction works and how apartment buildings work in order to make a really good loan to somebody. And it's the same thing in any business. You also talk about equipment leasing as another business-to-business cash flow. How can that work when you have equipment that's probably depreciating pretty quickly? Yes, and uh, there are different kinds of equipment. Today we're seeing a lot of CAT scans and uh, any kind of uh, those kinds of things that are used in the healthcare industries. The healthcare industry is one of the few businesses over the last couple of years that's actually expanded rather than contracted, and people have leased a lot of equipment in that, even though the equipment is, uh, is in fact, depreciating, the cash flow from it is really, really quite good. So it's something to look into. It's been done for a long period of time. It used to be x-ray machines. Now it's uh, various kinds of medical scanning equipment and other sophisticated equipment in the healthcare industry. What kind of returns can you get from healthcare equipment? Healthcare equipment can be phenomenal. Uh, I've seen it anywhere from 15 to 30 percent uh, because of the leverage that uh, one has in, in, the, in that particular kind of a, an industry. Uh, healthcare uh, has a guaranteed pay, payback rate generally, and uh, the cost of the equipment is relatively low. It depends on how you buy it and how you uh, are actually able to uh, uh, organize a lease, because you may organize a lease along with the, the building in which it's housed, and then you can take advantage uh, in a small private placement, for example, 
you also get advantage uh, of uh, depreciation and a number of other things as well. You have a whole chapter in the book about uh, investing in real estate, physical real estate, uh, in your IRA. Why don't we just briefly go through some of those? How about tax liens and deeds, and what's the advantage of doing that? Tax liens and deeds, uh, they're relatively small. They're easy to get into. They're cheap, uh, anywhere from a couple of hundred dollars up to thousands of dollars. Uh, the return rates on those, depending on the community that the individual invests in, can be anywhere from 8 to 24%. That's what we've seen normally. Uh, there is a market for them often. And the advantage there is that if uh, the person doesn't pay off the, uh, the tax deed, for example, you get the property. The caveat there is you want to make sure that uh, the tax deed that's being covered by the property, that the property is worth anything at all and doesn't have hazardous waste on it. Uh, but uh, it's been a really, really good place for a lot of people. Again, it's a matter of doing the due diligence on uh, what the returns are, the redemption rates on them, uh, to determine whether or not they're worth your time. Again, there's small dollars to get in, uh, and the returns can be very, very good on an average basis. You then talk about buying properties out of uh, for, uh, foreclosure and bankruptcy. Yes. There's certainly a lot of those to buy today. How do you know what's good and what's not? Is, is it based on rental income potentially? Yes. One really has to look at what the operating income is and the net operating income after taxes. Uh, unfortunately, what a lot of people do is they, they look at what the debt that they may have on it and compare that directly to the rent and don't look at uh, the tax rates. They don't look at the operating expenses and they find out that they're upside down on it. You really, really have to, again, look uh, and, and see what, how income is generated, what that income really means to your bottom line. It's not just a simple matter of saying, I have uh, this kind of a mortgage and this kind of a, uh, an income, rental income, and the difference is my profit. Uh, it's, it's not that easy. Again, a matter of doing research, looking into it, know how it's calculated and what your real costs are. Diversification, very important. Uh, don't buy just one property because if the renter moves out, you're stuck. You get zero income. So, again, diversification is very, very important, as in all other investments, and uh, the individual is going to be better off that way by diversifying into a number of properties where they know that the rents are going to keep up with what the cash flow needs are as well as paying all the expenses. So you're basically saying the real estate area to buy for cash flow from rents and not assume appreciation in the, in the real estate, even if you buy at a cheap price in a foreclosure or something like that. Yeah, I, I agree with that completely, and I think that's the way to do it, and uh, that's a good conservative approach. Very good. We're just about to come to end. Why don't you just do a brief summary of, of why one should invest in alternative investments with all the things we've talked about? Okay, the rationale behind alternative investment, it's a great way to diversify into other kinds of cash flows as well as uh, buy and hold kinds of activities for long term. It's a hedge, uh, oftentimes, like, for instance, precious metals or commodities. These are the kinds of things that are available in the marketplace, and that way you can really look at a long-term portfolio that consists of a large basket of goods rather than just a limit on what's publicly traded. Very good. Well, thanks so much. My guest has been Hugh Broma, whose new book is called How to Make Money in Alternative Investments, published by McGraw-Hill. Um, and we've covered an awful lot of ground, and there's a lot more we didn't even get to in the book. So thanks so much for being on the Money Answer Show, Hugh. I really appreciate the opportunity. Thanks so much. We'll be back again for the next show next week. Goodbye for now.
Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and the Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business.